guy, Alex Doherty. He covers the Preds for A to Z Sports. It's been a while since we've chatted with mm-hmm. Alex. Alex, what's up? How's it going, guys? Yeah, it has been a while. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I got a chance. I was telling uh, Justin and our audience in the first segment, a chance to catch up with Craig Smith this morning. Boston Bruins in town. I was reading a stat about them, and this is crazy. They right now tied, they have tied the NHL record for fewest games to reach 40 wins in a season. They tied last, uh, or they tied the Washington Capitals 2015 2016. It took them 53 games this year to get to 40 wins. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, that's impressive. I was looking at their schedule, and then I realized. They only have eight losses on the season. Do you, do you know when the Predators got their eighth loss of the year? I don't know if we're going to want to hear this. Yeah, it's probably it was, it was, fourteen it was November tenth. Yeah. No, yeah, November tenth at Colorado. That was uh, that was their eighth loss. So it's been a few months. But I mean, I, I would say that this is probably the worst opponent that the Predators could face right now. I mean, if you were to, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. No, the, seriously, that's what I was going to ask you. So. You come off a loss to Arizona, which is bad, right? You you have to beat Arizona at home. You have to come up with two points. And I was going to ask you, is it better to face a juggernaut to because you know you have to be at the ultimate focus point to pull off tonight, or would you rather just kind of see another uh, you know bubble team or non playoff team, and you're not you know, and then you're not playing at the you're not coming in with the same mentality. I, that's where I was going to go. So you well, you say I, I guess, no. I guess it depends on your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, if you are still trying to figure out if you can be a, a playoff team, I, I would say this is not the best team to play because, I mean, th- this team in their sleep could give you problems. I mean, they just have every position is, is, is working well right now. But, it, you know, if, if you are on the other side and thinking, well, this is, this is the time when the Predators need to decide if they're going to be buyers or sellers – we already heard from David Poyle. He's leaning towards selling anyways. He knows he's not going to be a buyer. You know, maybe this is the thing that pushes you over the edge. Well, the other, the other thing is this. If you are a National Predators fan and you are at all frustrated, and I don't know how you couldn't be, by, by this team, this current roster, this situation that they're in, the Boston Bruins are the antithesis of everything Nashville right now because – not only are they just rolling and probably going to win the President's Trophy and probably a favorite to win the Cup, but, but they, their, their like roster management situation is, is even better than Nashville. So it's not like they're going to have to answer for all of this you know, in the coming years. I mean, they, they've, they've also kind of solved their long-term issues. The only thing they have to worry about is how much are they going to have to pay David Pasternak. They've got plenty of money in it to do that. They've They've got all their top defensemen signed long-term. They've got their, their role players signed long-term. They've got their goalies signed long I mean, cost-controlled at least. Nashville is in the opposite situation. They have a kind of a, an average or even bad roster that they can't move. So I would say just in terms of contrasting the two teams, the last thing Predators fans probably want to see is Boston come in here and beat the Predators, and then also, by the way, they have a better managed roster than pretty much anyone in the league. Uh, it's just going to cause a lot of uh, envy and jealousy and hatred and anger. So, Look, I, I certainly understand 
that mentality. I was probably going off of those three games against three really good teams, three playoff teams, right before the long break. And how, you know, we'll never know because they went into mm-hmm. a break. How those three wins could have maybe, you know, propelled them to, you know, some momentum and really given them the confidence they needed. And it would have maybe led to a much longer winning streak. Again, we'll never know because they went into a long break and came out. And uh, I was at that Vegas game. It did not go well. It did not look good. It did not go well. well it looked good the first four minutes, and that was about it. Uh, first five minutes, and that was pretty much it. But that, that's that's all. That was the reason I was asking because, you know, those three oh. wins were impressive. And so if you can beat a really, really good Boston team tonight, maybe and, and maybe they're going to need it because you know this they, they better be rested up because they had a long break. And after that Vegas game, they got another long break before the Philadelphia game, and they're about to smash the gas pedal, and it is going to be full speed ahead until the end of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, and definitely. But I, I think the three wins before the break, you're right, did lead you towards uh, you know what could happen after this. You know, if they could get on a roll. But the problem is they had dug themselves such a hole. Like you, you just can't drop points against Arizona. I mean, I, I think that that game alone. To take the Vegas night game out of it, maybe maybe that's attributable to the break. But the Arizona game to me is is the one that's the killer. I yeah. mean, like that, you have no room to drop points against teams like that, considering all of the opponents like Boston tonight. And then after the break, they have a, a crazy stretch where they, you know, in, in in mid to late March, they play the Jets, the Rangers, the Seattle twice, Toronto, Boston again. Dallas, Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a it's a crazy slew of games, but that's after the trade deadline. So you have to decide now, you know, whether you're going to sell. And I it just I really think that it, it sounds crazy, but I I do think it kind of came comes down to just those few games after the break, and especially that Arizona game on Monday. So it's the middle of February. It's a short month, and March third is the trade deadline. You've referenced it several times already with us. So let's go there. So you're right, General Manager David Poyle did. Pretty much just tell tell us all they're not going to be buyers, which, you know, I, I, it's not like I went, whoa, what? <laughs> so, but, but, you know, the general manager said it, so we have to take note of that, right? That is yeah, – that's yeah. coming from the horse's mouth. So that's – he is putting that out there like, hey, don't, don't look for to be buyers, but could even be sellers. If that's the route <laughs> that he ends up going, there's already stuff being written, stuff being put out there, but we'll ask you. You know what? If if he is going to be a seller, where, where do you think he's starting with selling? In your opinion, give us a couple I names. Think, yeah, I, I mean, I I do think that they will be sellers. I I think uh, it probably won't take much more than than losing tonight, and then if they lose any of the the next two games against Florida or Minnesota, uh, two teams that you know are equal to them in competition. But yes, I, I do think that they'll be. They'll be sellers, and you know there's been talk of, of defensemen. You know, obviously they they can't move Roman Yossi, and I don't think they would want to do that anyways. But you know, people have mentioned Matthias Ekholm. I don't see that either. I think that Matthias Ekholm has been, first of all, he's been very good for you, and he's also been just a really solid staple of, for that team all year, or for, for the team all year. I don't think that they would move him. But Dante Faber is the name that look that I look at and say that's the easiest to move. And the one that you could probably get some get something out of. So, what do you think Favreau, you could get from him? A former first round pick, still <laughs> young in his career. What do you think's realistic? 
I think you could get I think you could get a second round pick out of him. I okay. think you could get as high as a second. You can't get a first, but you could get a second round pick out of him. Considering how he's played, you know, the role that he's had, he can play on the power play. I guess they, they don't the Predators don't do that, but you know, whoever's getting him might want to try that. And uh, that he's owed, you know, he's an RFA, but he's owed at least a 2.4 million dollar qualifying offer. So he's not che- he's not super cheap, but he is at least under your control for next year and Teams might be into that. I mean, I could see Toronto getting into that, Edmonton getting into that if they can't get Eric Carlson. Um, any teams that are looking for top four defense health uh, would be interested in Fabro. Let me tell you why I think they could get a first-round pick. Okay. One, you only need one desperate team, and you just name some good teams. They're going to be desperate. They're going to say, hey, we're, we're one solid defenseman away from, you know, maybe that's our piece, that's our chip. What did the Predators give up for Lazan? It was a second round, yeah. yeah. Okay, so if, I, if I, Lazan I think, I think can the, give a second for Lazan, don't you think somebody would be desperate enough for a I, younger first-round pick? I think the general thought was that they overpaid for Lazan. Okay. I mean, I don't think they should have given up more than a third for him. I, but, but you're right. You're absolutely right. It all comes down to the – Then you just need to, to the, find somebody to overpay, Alex. <laughs> yes, you need to find someone to overpay. Right, exactly. That That is that is true. I, I think second is more reasonable for most teams, but if you get – well, I, just because I mentioned the two teams, Toronto and, and Edmonton, you get them competing in a, in a bidding war. Uh, yeah, you could drive it up to a first. Um, that, that, that would be that would be fine. I I, I still also think that the the cost of, of Fabro. I mean, they, if you if the, if the team does not see him as just a rental for this year, if they want to keep him around for next year, the cost may be too high for for what he brings. But yeah, for I could see a first. I could see a first. I think it probably probably more likely as a second. Okay, now I'm gonna heat, I'm gonna heat up the chair a little bit. Fabro's a little <laughs> bit more on the low hanging fruit side. Fair. I'm not saying anything against your answer. I agree with you. And by the way, I agree with you totally on Ekholm. Like, I don't know. I hear people saying Ekholm, and I'm like, what? What? How does that? What does that do for you? I, I don't. I don't know what that that does yeah. for the Preds. Uh, he's. Look, they got. They got problems this season, and I don't think Ekholm is very high on the list of of their issues. So, my turning up the heat a little bit. Okay, now wh- let's say there's a second move. Who's Who's number two? On that list, uh, well, well, I don't know that this is going to blow any minds either. But I, I would say you could probably trade Nino Niederreiter for uh, for a decent return, uh, not a great one. Um, I mean, he's an he's a good, if not great, uh, offensive player signed through next year. He's been okay for the Predators. Not not really. Great. You think he's yeah, been really- okay? I I think he's been better than okay. You, mean, why why has he just been okay? Four million dollars a year. I mean, I would I would have expected more than how, how many goals does he have right now? Twelve, something like that. Yeah, well, for a while he led the team Four, in 14, goals. Sorry. Fourteen goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourteen. He was stuck. He was stuck on ten for quite a while. Yep. I mean, I just mean like he he's not he's he's not a difference maker in terms of you know teams aren't going to have to prepare for him. I mean, he's been okay. Four million dollars a year is probably about right, and that's why I think they could get something for him. Do you think that he would make a big difference next on next year's roster too? I I don't think so. I mean. I don't even know if they viewed him as we're gonna we're gonna build the future around him. I mean, he's thirty years old. You know, it was like let's see what we can get out of this guy. And and he was he his price was going down later in the market last year, so they they brought him in. He's been fine. He's been he's been perfectly fine. But I do think if you're looking at this team as a, as a as a poor offensive team, which is what they are, mm-hmm. you have to consider him a part of that. And and 
yeah, he's got 14 goals, but like, I mean, that would be what seventh on the on the Bruins right now, or eighth on the Bruins. I mean, that's that's not even close to to like you know a top performing offensive player. The the other one. Well, that be, may be like seventh or eighth on most rosters that are scoring. So, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the other option, the other option would be Mikhail Granlund, but his value is just so down right now. I don't know that you would. You you almost want him to get on a hot streak so you can get his value up a little bit. Okay, that's that's where I'm going. I'm gonna. This is my last thing for my end. Okay, I I would tell you I I don't have a problem. I would not with Nino. I I think here's where I'm at with this. If you're going to be a seller, to me, the try. I didn't say you could pull this off. You you just brought up a great example, Alex. To me, it's time if you're going to be a seller, it's time for you to try to move pieces that everybody knows what they are, right? They've been here long, and if the results aren't – if nothing's changing, the results aren't changing, you're not going forward. You're either stuck in the mud or you're even regressing. Then maybe it's time to change up the same faces, right? In other words, Nino's just been here for half of a season or a little bit of – more guys that have been here for a good while. Like, you know what they are – you know what they bring to the table, and honestly, I, I would put Granlin in that category. I mean, you you know what you're getting. He's been here long enough now, and I just think, to me, if you were going to be a seller, you're, you're looking at guys like that, guys that have been here for a while, and it's just time to change some faces in the room. Do, yeah, you, do you agree with Grant, that? Yes, I, I, I definitely do. And Granlin, I think, would be the number one option there. Uh, his age, his cap hit the next two years after this one, but also consider this, you know, they with Forsberg out, who did they call up? Philip Tomasino. And they've and the whole thing with him has been they didn't have room in the top six. Well, when Forsberg comes back, if Tomasino is playing okay and they feel like they they want to keep him up now, you're gonna need room in your top six. So one of those guys is going. Granlund either is either getting out of the top six or you're trading him or you're trading Niederreiter or someone else. But that would also make sense, you know, logistically with your with your roster. To, to move out a top six guy, go ahead and just plug Tomasino into that role the rest of the year and on into the future. So you said something a moment ago about uh, Niederreiter and the fact that he's 30. What, what, is, what is old in hockey? <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's shockingly young. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, yeah. 30, I mean, it's a well, serious question for me. I'm, I'm serious yeah. when I say it because no, – I know some hockey guys are able to go for a very long time. It seems like longer than in other sports. Um, they're able to play into their upper 30s or even 40s in, in certain cases. Yeah, it depends by position. I mean, forwards, it's pretty young. I mean, 30 is like uh, is, is definitely approaching AARP status for, for, uh, for a forward. Like, now, I'll give you a for example. Sure. Craig Smith is a guy I yes. love and adore. Yep. He's been in the league a long time. Yeah, but say he he's, was an older player. He's thirty-four, and yeah. I, I'll just tell you right now, and, and look, I'll just say it on the air. I don't. I mean, whatever. I, I'm not trying to break news. I don't know anything. I, I just know him. I've been around him for a long time. I, there's a there's a reason. I wanted to catch up with him. I wanted to see. I I think there's a real shot, and if they win it, it's like a no brainer. But even if they don't, I. I think a guy like Craig Smith is not going to be a guy they're going to have to pull off the ice. Like tell him like, "Hey man, you're t- here's a walker. It's time for you to yeah. leave the game." He's a guy who's played long enough. I just think he'll go off and raise his kid that they're going to have in June, fish 
and call it a career. In other words, I think at 34, he's getting really, really close, and I wouldn't be surprised after this season. And by the way, I think he becomes a UFA after this season. Okay. He just says, you know what, peace out. And he's 34. Yeah, I, okay. Do you agree right, with that, I, Alex? Yeah, definitely. I, Craig Smith would, would make sense. I mean, uh, and, and he played he, – he played, those are hard years, too. I mean, he, he plays so hard and He's fast played a lot of hockey, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so th- there are – but back to the, to the question, I mean, there are exceptions. Obviously, Alex Ovechkin, he's 37 years old. He's, like, probably got some years left. I mean, he's di- but he's different. He plays the game differently. So a Craig Smith or maybe another former Predator, Victor Arvidsson, not as long of a shelf life just because they play so differently. It's like running backs, you know. I mean, the, the, the shelf life on those guys is just not as long for the, compared to, to other positions. So defensemen, it's maybe a little bit longer, but also it kind of depends on what kind of a defenseman you are. If you're a, a speed okay. guy like a Roman Yossi, it's a little different than if you're a physical guy like a Ryan McDonough or a Matias Ekholm. Fair enough. Who has underachieved the most on this hockey team? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, man, that, that, that would probably be the answer to why this season has been so frustrating, if you could figure it out. There are, <laughs> so, there are, there are so, many, so many options. I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with actually a name I just mentioned, and that, that would be a Ryan McDonough. Um, I, you know, I thought, I think a lot of people felt when Ryan McDonough came in that, wow, that's a huge improvement on your blue line. The, the defense is going to get figured out. He's going to contribute offensively. I mean, he has one goal this year. Defensively, mm. he has not looked all that solid. There have been major issues defensively, with not just with him on the ice, but overall. And uh, he's, he's giving you minutes, but, but you need more than that. And so I would say him is a, a good place to start. I mean, Tanner Janot, uh, just considering the, the drastic change from last year to this year in terms of production, that's a, that's a huge difference. But then, you know, it's, uh, you cannot have this conversation without talking about the two top guys, right? uh, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. You, you can't even mention this question without saying Ryan Johansson is step, a step back from last year and Matt Duchesne not shooting as well, not contributing as much on the goal side as you'd like. So there's, there's what, what I gave you, four options, and uh, you could probably add to that. I'm you left out Philip Forsberg. Yeah, no, I think Forsberg has been fine. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen physically. I mean, his his points per game are right, kind of where his average is. He's missed some game, missed some games with the injury, but uh, no, at Forsberg, I wouldn't say so. I mean, he he's not going to hit forty, but you know, assuming that he comes back from his injury soon, he'll get to thirty, which is still you know right around his career kind of arc. Is is a thirty goal score? I think he'll get there. Um, you know, he's not like I said, he's he's not what he was last year, but. But Duchesne and Johansson and Granlund and all these guys are way off from where they were last year. I mean, leagues below where, where they were last year. So that's, that's a bigger thing. Forsberg, I, I think consistently night in and night out, he has been the, the team's best offensive player and the, the, the one that other teams have to prepare for. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting tonight. Then back-to-backs this weekend. Uh, back-to-back matinee games uh, this weekend, mm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Saturday one here. Is and I think Minnesota is as well on Sunday. Good stuff, Alex. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll do it again real soon. Absolutely, and everyone stay safe out there. We got some storms coming yeah. up. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep everybody yeah. Uh, in on that as well. Alex already covers the Predators Thanks. for A to Z Sports. Mm-hmm. Good stuff from him as always. We'll come back the rest of the hour. Open.